Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Fox River Christian Church. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here with you on this morning. Uh, again, my name is Kurt, uh, serve as uh, one of the pastors of Euflores Church. And again, just excited uh, that I get to be among a body of believers. Always an exciting time for that. Um, as as I, was, I was putting the uh, sermon together, I, I thought back uh, to a moment in time when I had called into work. I was going to take. I took a day off of work actually, and uh, and uh, that day had arrived. And when that day had arrived, I checked my voicemail and I got all of these messages from my boss asking why I'm not at work. And and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why he's left me all of these messages about why I'm not at work because this was the day that I took off from work. And uh, eventually, I give him a phone call, and he's like, well, you better come into work because, like, or you're going to be marked down as a, as a no-call, no-show. And I'm, I'm a little heated at this point in time, and I decided I'm just going to go into work uh, to make sure I still have a job. And, and so I go into work, and I get into his office, and me and him are going back and forth, and our conversation gets a little bit heated. And the other staff members are starting to hear some of the conversations that we're having, and we're going back and forth because I can't understand why he's making me come in on a day off that I requested some time uh, ago. And as we're going back and forth, I just get to the point where I blurt out, you must be a racist. (laughs) And I'll never forget the look on his face because it was not a look of, of anger It's not a look of disgust, it's a look of hurt. And I went home that day and I checked my calendar. And as I checked my calendar, sure enough, I requested a different day off of work. And let me just tell you, I had never been so uncomfortable. It was the most uncomfortable feeling I had experienced in my entire life. And truth be told, you know, sometimes the truth is absolutely uncomfortable. In fact, some would be more apt to believe a comfortable lie than an uncomfortable truth. We're going to come to a passage of Scripture today. It's about this lawyer who has to deal with this concept of an uncomfortable truth. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what the gospel does, is it challenges uh, those things that we may find comfortable. It's impossible to have unity without the impact of the gospel. And so as we take a look at this lawyer today, my challenge to you is that you don't look at this lawyer and begin to start casting judgment on this lawyer. My challenge to you is that you begin to look within to see if there's any parts of this lawyer that you might be able to find in yourself. And the first point that we're going to find in this passage today is that the the gospel challenges our comforts. We're going to be picking up in Luke 10, uh, beginning in the 25th verse. And it reads, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? 
And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. And so uh, the, the context here is Jesus had just got through uh, uh, sending out the 72 and they returned. And, and so Jesus is having some, some conversations with his disciples. And, and it says that this, this lawyer, he, he comes and says he stood up specifically uh, to put Jesus to the test. And he asked him a question, not that he asked a question because he needed to know because he is the expert of the law. Uh, but, but, but he asked this question. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, he, it, it, he, he points him right back uh, to, to, to what is written. He says, what's written in the law? In other words, like you're the expert of the law. You should know this already. But Jesus, he goes a step further and he asks a very specific question. He says, how do you read it? And this is a very good question, not just in the context of that day, but that's a great question for us today because none of us comes to the Scripture with a blank slate. We bring our experiences, we bring our hurts, we bring our failures, we bring our culture, we bring our conceptualizations of, of, of the world. We bring all of that uh, uh, to the Scripture. So, so Jesus, he, he, he asked him, how is it that you read it? And, and, and he answered, he says, you should love the Lord, your God, with, with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. He says, do this and you will live. And you would have thought that it would have been over at that point in time. It should have been over. Like, he, he answered correctly. It should have been over. But, but there was something that was transpiring in him. There was something within him that he felt the need to justify. And so he asked the question, and who is my neighbor? And, and, and this, this is really an interesting thing is because uh, at, 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 the, at the time, as we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he taught that, he says, you have heard that it was said to love your enemy, I mean to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But, but he says, but I say that you are to love your enemy. And, 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 and the reason why he said, Jesus says that, you, that they heard it because nowhere is it written that you get a license to hate your enemy. However, in the culture at this point in time in Jewish culture, it was perceived, they took a, they, they took a, a, a theological leap that loving your neighbor meant it was okay to hate your enemy. And, 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 and so this, this, this lawyer, he has this conceptualization that uh, it, it's, it it's might be just okay uh, not to have much care for an enemy. But how often have we considered that the guy on the other side of the aisle just might happen to be a neighbor? That's the uncomfortable truth that the lawyer has to deal with. This is, this, this is the un, 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 uncomfortable truth. And so, 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 again, so he's looking to justify himself. And so he asks the question, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds, 
Not only do we find that the gospel challenges our comforts, but in the next section of Scripture, we're going to find that the gospel challenges our culture. Let's pick up in verse 30. Look at what it says in verse 30. It says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, the priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Uh, again, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. And, 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 and in this story, Jesus, he, he, he's beginning to turn things completely upside down. And, and so Jesus, he tells of this man after the lawyer asked this question, who is my neighbor, as, as Jesus does, he, he, he goes into the story about a man uh, 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 going down from Jerusalem to, to Jericho. He, he falls among robbers who strips him and beat him departing, leaving him half dead. And, and understand that Jesus is talking to uh, a, a mostly Jewish audience at this point in time. And so the mindset is, is, is that there's, it's, it's a Jew that's been beat and left for half dead on, on, on the side of the road. And, and so Jesus, he enters in uh, a, a priest. He says, a priest comes down that road. He's walking down that road. He sees this man, he sees his brother from his own culture laid on the side of the road half dead and what does he do says he walks over to the other side of the road and it's interesting because the, the priest is representative of the church at this point in time and it's like so the the church sees a man in a terrible condition and he leaves the man in the condition that he finds a man he says he walks to the other side of the road and here's a man part of his own culture and yet he leaves them on the side of the road, and he crosses over. And, and, and Jesus, he, he goes on. He, he says, but he said, likewise, he says, a Levite, also part of the, the priestly family, he comes down that same road. He sees the man laid on the side of the road, left for half dead. He sees him, a brother of his own culture, says he crosses over to the other side of the road. Again, representative of the church at this point in time. Sees a man in a terrible condition, leaves him in that condition and crosses over to the other side of the road. And so Jesus' listeners at this point in time is probably thinking, okay, the priest didn't do it. The Jewish priest didn't do it. Uh, the, the, the Jewish Levite didn't do it. Uh, uh, so what's going to happen next is Jesus is going to insert the common Jew is going to come and save the day. That's what's going to happen next. Oh, but Jesus enters in a Samaritan. And let me just say, when we hear the term Samaritan, we think of good. You know, if there's somebody in your family or among your friends that's like a goody two-shoe, we'll say, oh, you're just such a good Samaritan. 
You know, because we, we get good feelings when we hear the, the word Samaritan. But in the context of, 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 of the day, at the, 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 the Samaritan was hated. It was, it was, the Samaritan was despised. So much so, it was said that, that uh, uh, a Jewish rabbi would refuse to allow Jewish midwives to, to help give birth to Samaritan uh, uh, children because the last thing that the world needed was another despised Samaritan in the world. In fact, if the quickest way to get from A to B was through Samaria, uh, uh, rumor would have it that, that Jews would rather walk all the way around Samaria so they did not have to come in contact with those hated Samaritans. And, and, and so in this context, when Jesus is telling this story, the Samaritans ain't good to the ears of the Jews, but, but all of a sudden Jesus, he enters in the, the, the Samaritan. He says a Samaritan, as he journeyed, when he saw the man laying on the side of the road, a man that's outside of his culture, a man who very well hates him. He's on the other side of the aisle. He could have walked and said, payback. You know, this man is getting exactly what he deserves, but that's not what happened. It says that he saw this man, and it says that he had compassion. The moment that he saw him and he saw his condition, Jesus said that he had compassion, and he said he went to him. His compassion didn't just uh, put a, a, a place in his heart, but it drove him into action. It says that he came to him and he began to bound up his wounds. It says he poured oil in wine, which, which was considered uh, worth something at this point in time. And, and he says he, 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 he set him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And it says the next day, he gives some money to the innkeeper. And he says, if there's anything else that, that, that you do for this man, I'll come back and I'll pay you more. And this is for a guy that's on the other side of the aisle, it completely challenges his culture, completely goes against anything that could be imagined at this point in time. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about my story. I'm uh, born in, uh, as, as a pastor's kid, raised as a pastor's kid. My, my dad was, was born in Oxford, Mississippi in 1936. And he grew up in a Jim Crow era, and so he had this conceptualization of what the world was. And when he moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he kind of put some of that into his children. And so we had this conceptualization of, of what the world was. And, 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 and when I went to school, some of that was reinforced when I went to school. And, 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 and so I grew up with this mindset that I couldn't become anything that I wanted to become, that there would be some limitations for me. And, 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 and when it came to the church, it was very difficult for me to receive salvation because un, my idea of salvation was that it, it required a two-part process. And I can never get past the second part of the process. And I got angry. I, I mean, I really got angry, and I just didn't understand what kind of God is this that you beg him for salvation, and he won't give you salvation. And, and, and so I turned away from the church, and I joined gangs, and I ran around with gangs for a little while. And when I became a young adult, I took it to another level. I became a, 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 a dope dealer, really good at it, really, really good at it, so good at it that I became a target. 
I was robbed three times by gunpoint. I've been shot at. And it was something that happened, that third, that third robbery for me. Something happened. Oh, and, and probably two weeks prior, a friend of mine and, and his father was at home, and, and the gunman came in, and they came in to do a robbery, and they made them get down on their knees, and they, and they were executed in the back of their head. And so as the gunman came into my home, they told me to get down on my knees, and I just figured this is probably it for me. And I remember just saying, Lord, forgive me, because I figured that's all I had enough time to say. And as I said, Lord, forgive me, when I realized that I was still alive, I said another prayer. I said, God, if you can get me out of this situation, I I promise that I'm I'm done with this life. If you could just get me out of this situation. And one thing led to another. They they, they wanted money after they had stole all the drugs. They wanted money. And so I I, I was on a a second story uh, of a duplex. And I made it to the top porch because they thought I had money out there. And I opened up the door and I saw the sun. And the sun had never looked so beautiful in my entire life because it appeared to me that I saw the sun in the sun. And I reached my hand underneath the banister, and I, and I flipped my body off the banister, and I landed on my feet. And I ran like nobody's business, and then I did what you're never supposed to do in the hood is I called the police. And when the police came, I got, now I got 50 cops in my house, and they realized this is a drug robbery. And they're like, now you want to call us, right? <laughs> and, and, and I'm scared to death now because I no longer want any parts of the drug game. I'm just like, Lord, if you could just get me out of this situation, I'm, I'm done. And underneath my mattress, the robbers never looked underneath my mattress, and now I'm praying that the cops don't look underneath my mattress. <laughs> Because there's drugs underneath my mattress and there's a gun right with it, which is the enhancer. And I'm just like, God, I just, just that. And long story short, I I, I made it out of that situation. Uh, Nobody ever lift up the mattress, but I knew I was done. And I knew God had spared my life. Didn't know why, because I didn't pass the second part of the process. So I took a job. Pretty much my first job, I was a college dropout, so I didn't have much education at that point in time. I took a job working for a pharmaceutical company. I was a delivery driver, so I was still delivering drugs. <laughs> but this time, it was going to hospitals and doctor's offices, and one of the most amazing things happened. My, my, my job was in Sussex, and so people wanted to kill me in Milwaukee, so I started spending all of my time in Sussex, and as I was spending all of my time in Sussex, I was bracing myself for what my daddy said that I would receive. I was bracing myself. My route was in Oconomowoc, Watertown, and, and Fort Atkinson, places I'd never been. And I'm bracing myself for what I'm going to receive, and funny thing happened is I never received it. I'm not saying it don't exist. I'm saying I didn't receive what I thought I would receive. And all of a sudden, that boss that I called a racist, he he began to put his arms around me, and he brought me into the warehouse. He made me warehouse manager. He told me, if you want to come into the front office, I'll teach you anything that you want to learn, but you got to punch out. And I was a little confused about that. But 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 again, college dropout, and I'm thinking to myself, well, if I if I want to make it, I'm probably going to have to give him a shot. I'm going to have to give him a chance. And, and so I would punch out and I would go into the front office and he trained me on some things. And, and the moment a position opened up in the front office, I got it. 
And it was at that moment that I realized, like, man, I don't know why this man has this love for me. I, I, it's, it's not what I expected. How does this guy on the other side of the aisle has this love for me? And I began to work my way up through that company until I was like second in charge in that branch. And from the moment that I went into that front office, we went from the 63rd ranked branch in the country to number one in the country. I get a call from Jackson, Mississippi. We had a corporate office there and our corporate office said we want uh, you to do what you did in Wisconsin, except now you're going to be over 13 branches around the country. And that boss of mine, he's like, I'm, he, he taught me about stock options. I didn't know anything about stock options. He told me to make sure that I get a, 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 a signing bonus. I got a signing bonus for $20,000, and I, I was almost afraid to put it in the bank. I had that kind of money before, but not in a bank. <laughs> uh, and and And... And, and he single-handedly helped shape my life from a street thug drug dealer to a corporate executive. All simply from this, this concept that, like, the gospel has a way of challenging our culture. This went completely against what I culturally believed and what I, what I culturally thought, that somebody on the other side of the aisle could love me. And so what we find is not, not only does the gospel, it challenges our, our comforts, but not, not only do we find that it, it challenges our culture, as, as we see with this, this good Samaritan, he went against what the cultural norms were. He should have hated the Jews that hated him, but he saw humanity, and humanity drew his heart to compassion and he crossed over. But the last point that we're going to find in this passage is that we find is that the gospel is that it challenges our conceptions. Let's pick up in verse 36. Look at what it says. Uh, it says, uh, Jesus, he asked this question. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do Likewise. And, and, and here's the thing that's interesting is, 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 is Jesus, he asks this lawyer, he says, which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Because remember, it was the lawyer who says, and who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus now poses the question back to him. And, and, and I can see this lawyer almost as if he's holding his head down because he never mentions the Samaritan by name. He just simply says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, you go and do likewise. And so here's the thing. The, the, the very thing that he conceptualized was a neighbor was not necessarily true. Jesus asked him the question, who proved to be a neighbor? And so as my story would have it, I would move down to Jackson, Mississippi, and within two weeks of being in Jackson, Mississippi, I get a knock at the door. It's an older white gentleman. It's raining outside. It's dark. And uh, I open up the door, and he says, I want to share the gospel with you. And I'm like, you should probably go share the gospel with somebody else. I'm a pastor's kid. I already know about the gospel. And he asked me the question. He said, well, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. He's like, well, if you die today, what would be the reason why 
you would ask God to let you in. I gave a whole bunch of God-awful answers. But he showed me a passage of Scripture I'd never seen in my life. He showed me Romans 10 and 9. And that Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, let me make sure that's a King James Version. First, and I'm like, and now I'm wondering how did that get in there? Because I'm arguing with this man. I'm like, no, you got to be holy. You got to be righteous. You got to clean yourself up because the spirit don't dwell in an unclean temple. And he pointed me back to the word and he says, read it again. And I read it again. I just said, I'm like, no, you've got to finish the second part of the process. He says, read it again. And he kept making me read the word, and I just didn't understand how in the world did that passage get in there. He left, and he left me with the Bible. And I tossed and turned all night long. I just didn't understand how did that get in there. And I came to the conclusion about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, if this is true, if, this is, if Romans 10 and 9 is true, it means that and I've been saved since I was eight years old. I've been living my life on the outside. I wanted Jesus, but I didn't know that he wanted me. And my heart just began to break for a world who believes that they're not good enough for Jesus. It's something to be said when you understand that, that, that his love and his mercy and his grace is designed specifically like specifically for you, no matter how bad or, or, or how short you may fall, that, that his love and his mercy and his grace is specifically for you. And I promised myself, like when I came to this conclusion that, that it was for me as well, that confession that he's, that he's Lord and believing that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that I could have salvation. I came to this conclusion that I would spend the rest of my life making sure that everyone had an opportunity to know that. I made it a point that I would no longer use broad strokes to paint people into a corner. I understood that, 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 that the intention of God and the will of God is that none will be lost, even those on the other side of the aisle. It's the reason why he says he wants us to love him with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves and not try to define what a neighbor is. A neighbor is anyone that God has created. And ladies and gentlemen, we all have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity to live out the life of Christ to someone else. I'm gonna challenge each and every one of you that as you leave this place and as you go on your journey this week, will you allow the love of Christ, the love that you have for Jesus and the love that he has for you, can it be felt by your enemy? Can it be felt by the guy that's on the other side of the aisle? When we talk about unity, it's 
the very thing that Jesus prayed for. He said, I pray that they will be one so they will know, so the world may know that you sent me. That's the challenge for each and every one of us. Don't leave this place without the attitude or the mindset to know that the guy on the other side of the aisle, if you have an opportunity for Jesus to be felt, if you have an opportunity for Jesus to be known, will you allow Jesus to use you to reach the guy on the other side of the aisle? If you're here today and you may not have taken that step and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you got that opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity today. Just as it became truth to me on that one rainy night, it could be truth for you on this morning. Again, Romans 10 and 9, it just simply says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you shall be saved. Would you pray with me? And if you have not received it, you can receive it right now, right today. Father, we come before you right now, thanking you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness, God. Father, I pray right now, God, for those that, that have a heart to give their life to you, God, that you will come into their life today, God. Father, you said in your word that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved, God. I pray right now that salvation can be received for someone today, right now. God, we love you and we thank you that you love us while we are yet enemies to the throne. And God, we give you honor, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,